の谷間の暗闇にキラリと光る光の目安らぎ捨てて全てを捨てて悪を追って空かける Spider-Man. To my left, AP18 himself. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everybody. To my right, Cheeto himself. Garrett, how you doing? Doing good. Wednesday Comics Podcast. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. My name is Marvin. Uh, I didn't do the usual. Got distracted by the uh, Spider-Man. Um, there, uh, welcome the week of February 28th and March 1st. Uh, in like Alex, as they say, in like a lion, out like a lamb. Never, that's never how it goes. That's, you know it's in the like lamb out like lion. No, that's how it is. No, you dude. Know, Alex, it's a sign of redemption. You go in aggressive and you come out calm like a lamb. Yeah, that's not how South Dakota works. She goes in like a lamb, tricking you into her web. On the, and then she fucks you over the rocks and says, hey, you remember what snow uh, felt like? Halfway through, halfway through the month, the Ides of March come and, and they teach us a lesson about being humble. And I'm going to say all the way to the bank that that makes you into a lamb. You know, the amount of times they stab Caesar, that's a kebab. So. I will, I'll, give you, I'll give you that as a yes, you're right. The amount of ass kicking we're going to get later on, of course, it's true. Wouldn't you have a kebab? What kind of meat would you like on a kebab? You always get uh, lamb. Wait, what? You always get lamb. Lamb's good. But, dude, nothing's wrong with some beef and chicken. That's true. I am, I, am a beef, I am a beef man. You're right. Yeah. Uh, lamb was the correct choice because we are talking about lamb. So, Gary, I'm sorry. I said lamb first. That's the but first you have thing been eliminated. I said. <laughs> it can't be eliminated because I agreed with lamb and then I added to it. And then you come in here with this bullshit beef and chicken. Like. Beef, chicken, lamb, man. BCL, yep. Uh, Wednesday Comics Podcast here. Talk to the comics coming up this week of the uh, end of February, beginning of March. Uh, and then go over our book club book. Uh, <laughs> talk about the newest episode of Last of Us. Um, and also talk about our top five Spider-Man villains. Um, and hence the beginning song, uh, Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> that's from the Japanese Spider-Man, which when he fight, uses an Uzi and he rides a motorcycle. That's got to be the. That's got to be canon, and what I mean by that, I don't mean there's a Japanese Spider-Man. I mean that that's got to be canon. That that's Peter Parker. That's how you get me back into Spider-Man. If that was canon, if he's driving around a motorcycle with an Uzi, I just gotta see him with an Uzi. Like, why can't he have a submachine gun? Because that would kill a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, if you were if you were Spider-Man and the people around you were dying off because your powers weren't enough, wouldn't you start carrying a submachine? That's what happens. That's the what if. What if Peter Parker was the Punisher dressed as Spider-Man? I mean, that's what I would do. You're right. But that's not what, what Peter believes in. He believes there's good people. I know that most people are shitheads. Speaking of, <laughs> of Punisher, and it's a very good segue um, that you bring up here is that I have been... I have been reading. I'm in the second issue of it. So are doing these like kind of one shot Spider-Man War Journals? Mm-hmm. And they're actually pretty good. Very good. Do you just read the wait, Blaze wait. one? 
But you said, yeah, you did just Punisher say War- uh, Punisher Warzone or Spider-Man Warzone? Oh, Punisher, sorry. Not Spider-Man. But that, what's Spider-Man? That's no, that's, that's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for Spider-Man War Journal. <laughs> like, I need him with an Uzi somewhere, you know, co-op, covert, excuse me, not co-op, covert, Uzi, motorcycle, and a motorcycle jacket. Not necessarily a helmet, but... I imagine his war journals would literally be, uh, I went up against the Green Goblin today, I broke both of his legs, and when that wasn't enough, I caved his skull in with my motorcycle, because could, he could lift his motorcycle, so I just chucked it in his face. Mm, that's like, that's Spider-Man I want to hear. Like Wario and Smash Brothers. Exactly. Yeah. Runs you over, then hits you with and it, also, and then bites your face off. Yeah, he also bites your face off, too, then. Um... I don't know. I don't have a reason to call your brother today, but I guess we can call him real quick. But no, no, he's 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 doing. He got his top five for that bit. Oh yeah. So we just start with that then. (laughs) Yeah, we should start with that. So. (laughs) Since we are talking about the Spider-Man, I do have to ask him about Spider-Man's ethics about guns. Is that ever brought up? This is hashtag guest host one telling everybody to do better. How can I help you do better today? <laughs> I thought you were still telling everyone to fuck off. I, I respect that. Too. That's one way to do better. That's definitely one way. Uh, Corey, we had a, I had a question here for you. Um, Spider-Man, what's his take on guns? He doesn't use them. But is he, he's not like, a, is he against them like the Batman or what's going on here? Wait, Corey, are you saying he, he never uses them? <laughs> he, yeah, like condominiums. He never uses them. Because the uh, Spider-Man Japanese series, I think I'm missing a... What, what, what's uh, so this is an inside joke I don't get, but okay. Have you guys seen Rocky? I don't remember that line from Rocky. When he, It's right after he gets married. He's like, hey, do you need some condoms? Or do you, do you want to invest in some condominiums? He's like... Well, yeah, I never use. It. <laughs> well, that, is that Rocky Two? That's, that's Rocky Two. That's what I said. Oh, I, think I said Rocky. I, I, said heard, Rocky. I, I only heard Rocky. So, Garrett, you regardless, regardless, <laughs> you didn't fucking know it was Rocky. So, anyway, Rocky series. But I went. But I was asking. But no, Spider-Man does not use a gun. Peter Parker does not use a gun. The no. Japanese Spider-Man uses a Uzi. So, what's that about? Well, I'm going to let you know another fun fact. Detective Comics number 27, Batman uses a gun and kills people. So, you know. He did uh, use a gun at the beginning, yes, to get get the job done. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know what. I don't know what. what He's changed, though. Moral squandry we're going down. But in the Spider Man comics, because I've read the first at least 250, he does not use a gun. I'm just wondering why. And we were just talking about this a second ago. Like, if everyone around you starts dying, like Gwen Stacy died, you know, Aunt May died and then came back. Um, people and Harry died and then uh, he was just in Europe. Like all these things that the uh, it's basically all the people around him keep dying. When do you start carrying a gun? Obviously, your powers aren't enough. This, it goes back to you don't kill. So... <laughs> That that sounds like a Batman thing. We don't kill. They have philosophy. Bait was a big time that he goes, no one dies. When is it right. that he fights murder? Yeah, big big time. You're right. Okay. When but, he goes, yeah, they both have the same no philosophy. one dies except for like fifty people. 
No murder. No murder. On my end. If we talk about the movies, though, he murdered Green Goblin. No, he murdered himself. He he saved himself. Listen, that doesn't hold up in court. It's not my fault that Willem Dafoe chose a dumbass spot to stand, okay? When when Batman tells Rachel Ghoul, I don't have to save you. I mean, he didn't kill him. He just didn't help him. I mean, that is manslaughter still. Because you normally could have did something to save that man's life and you didn't. You might as well you have killed him. You literally had a split second That's to the back out of the way of the glider. There's no way. Marv, I'm going to say this more like the bystander law. I could do good and I should do good. But is it legal that I do help you? Listen, no. Doc Ock fell to the middle of the, uh, the bottom of the ocean. He didn't save him. Spider Man was about to. He literally grabbed him by his te- the tentacle to Peter's arm. And and like, what, no. and what do you say, Corey? No, I'll do, do better. Oh, yeah, do better. Damn. Doc Corey, Ock caused so much pain. Will, will you agree, himself? Corey, that Peter no. Parker is the worst version of Spider Man? <laughs> Who's a better version? Miles Morales. No. No. <laughs> Yeah, no. No. It depends on what medium. Into the Spider Verse, you got you got a compelling argument, but comics, no fucking way. There was no Brian Michael Bendis did the worst setup of Miles Morales of all time, and we're we should be thankful we got into the Spider Verse to save what Miles Morales is because what? without Into the Spider Verse, Bendis did him dirty. Does Miles? Miles have, does Miles have yep. any of his There was no care into his origin at all. I do not agree with that whatsoever. That oh, comic no was way. that comic was great. No, until no. Fallout. No, Into the Spider Verse was what did Miles good because they had no origin. It was you got bit, so we have to care. I've never bit, heard a more more bullshit take from your mouth. <laughs> Than what you're saying right now. <laughs> nope, nope, it's the truth. Miles Morales with Sarah Pacelli on art and Brian Michael Bendis was an amazing comic. Brian Michael Bendis checked out. He didn't care. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> there was no so... heart in that storyline. There was no heart in the Miles storyline. Nope. <laughs> I tell you what, there's going to be a fight over the internet here. <laughs> like I'm telling you what I feel. Done. Into the Spider Verse. Like Peter, right. all Peter's, his funeral, him deciding like he needs to take this legacy, like any of that, not good. You're saying the start? No. I swear to God. I, my thing is that when I came into Miles Morales, it was the second or third volume of that book, and it only lasted for like eleven issues, and then got kicked out again. And I thought it was really well done. I never read the original stuff of. Miles, so I don't have the affinity that Marvin does, or love, or respect even. When, for when Venom, like I told you, there was an annual that came out for Miles Morales <laughs> Spider-Man, and gave him like this was like literally in like his first week of being, you know, wearing the suit and everything like that. Boom, perfect story, did him justice, made me care about Miles. Before it was just like, yeah, I got bit. You have to care about me. You must. When care. Venom kills his mom, that is nothing for you. That's before I said the start. That's like issue twenty something. You that's said that like you, way down the line. That's not way down the line. Twenty issues. 
that's like two years, man. That's like two years. So you're saying like the first arc is not good. I'm saying that the way Brian Michael, if you've read all of Ultimate Spider-Man and how Brian Michael Bendis and did uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, and then you take that same parallel to how he handled Miles, checked out. Okay, I'm going to say this now because you said that. Spider-Man, the only reason why Spider-Man is so popular with kids, teens, everybody it's because everybody sees how incompetent he is, and they could be him instead. That's why. Right. <laughs> they can relate. They can relate to him, but yeah. there was no. There was just like, oh, he got bit, so you have to care. They they didn't show good character development for Miles. They showed a good for his uncle. They showed a good for his dad and his mom, but it, for him himself, but, yeah. When Peter, you know, wore that vest and those glasses, you know, that was a good version too. So. It was. Let's talk about Spider Man more. <laughs> okay. Top five Spider Man villains. Uh, Garrett said you have the the list of yours, and uh, since you are a guest, we will start with you, Corey. What's your number five? I, but hang on, hang on. I just got to point out that I know who Marvin's number one villain is going to be. I want to hear your guys's before I present mine. No, we do it. We do all of our fives, and we do all of our fours. We do yep. it together. You fucking. So now I'm giving you number five people. right now. Yes, yep. the just fifth, number five. Your last pick. Carnage. What? <laughs> yep. Sorry, sorry. I had to think about it. So I, when I think so I, I did think about it tonight. Are you guys gonna let me explain? Yes, but no, let, like let me say this real quick. Anybody who was you know on the fence in the last discussion just went to my side. So go ahead. <laughs> I don't even Marvin, in my top Marvin, five. you're being such the hot taker over here. Like, when did this get so heated tension? We should be on the same side, sir. I thought we were. But right, no, right, Carnage, right. because I had to think about it in ways. Uh, Carnage is more of just a villain in the Spider-Man universe. He's not someone that is specifically out for Peter Parker. He's most of the time out for Venom. He's out for all these other people. He's never really like there's a storyline where he's after Spider-Man, but there's no direct conflict for mostly for just him and Peter. So uh, you, so he's a top five Spider-Man villain because he doesn't interact with Spider-Man. Well, he he's in the Spider-Man universe because that's where he's introduced to become. So that's why it was a tough decision for me because yeah. I was like, I mean, I honestly don't think Venom gets this spot because I think Venom has become kind of like buddy but anti-hero. So he's kind of not. Um, so that's why I got to give it to Carnage because it's like, yes, he is a maniacal villain. But affecting Peter Parker and Spider-Man at the same time, he's more like a Spider-Man villain, if that makes sense. Because all the other villains attack not only Spider-Man, but his alter ego. But you know, if I attack Spider-Man, I'm attacking Peter Parker. Yeah, but like, (laughs) let's say terrorizing both sides of his life. I don't... You're right, so he doesn't know who who he is per se, but if he's built off of Venom, he would actually know who the hell he is. He just doesn't give a shit who you are. He right. just wants to murder you. And the greatest you. crime of all time was Venom, Let There Be Carnage, where they let Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy feel empathy for anybody in any way, shape, or form in that movie 
which is not carnage at all. It is not Cletus Cassidy. So not my carnage. That was no one's carnage. That was no one. It was no one's carnage, uh, which is unfortunate because Woody Harrelson kicks ass. Alex, what's your number five? Uh, Green Goblin. he, He had to be on the list, but for most of the time when I see him now, yes, he is the catalyst to so many things for Spider-Man, whoever he has murdered or what have you. But he's also a character that when used properly is fantastic. When thrown in because we could not think of any of the other 50 villains to throw in just to fit what we wanted. Uh, bullshit. I enjoy his character. I, I enjoy uh, Willem Dafoe's reincarnation two times of him. Very well done. But that being said, sometimes I don't need to see your arch nemesis 17 times in one arc. There are other characters to use. Gary, what's your number five? Uh, My number five is Venom. Um, I went with Venom because I think there is that personal connection with Eddie Brock. I'm not talking about the, the saint that is Flash Thompson, but the Eddie Brock. Uh, Venom is the one that I'm thinking of here. Um, lots of animosity towards Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, and I also like the side of a villain that, like, he isn't fully in control of his actions. I mean, and Venom kind of takes over, which is the point of Venom. So that whole storyline with Spider-Man and the Black Symbiote and Eddie Brock and Venom, gold. So he's a good villain. He's terrifying. He, uh, in some cases, seven hundred. In some cases, he can be way stronger than Spider-Man. So, um, Firehouse. I'm a person who would normally like. I don't dislike Venom, but I don't find him as interesting as everybody else does. But I'm playing Midnight Suns right now, and he's in that game. Uh, in his little DLC just uh, dropped, and I beat it. Um, humble brag. Um and but I do like his character in that game and actually he's turning me around to be like hey maybe I like this guy and maybe I just haven't read enough about him. I, Eddie I Brock like version Venom specifically. I say I like Eddie Brock Venom for the same reasons that Garrett had said and I enjoy Venom in general when he is bad and with the slight hey I'm going to help you fight Carnage but when this is done I'm going to eat you. That's the Venom I enjoy. Even I though I, like- I I do agree, but I did love. Rick Remender's Agent Venom because I still thought that was a fun idea. I, I did enjoy I enjoyed the good Venom, but I want good Venom to be Flash Thompson then. I don't want Eddie Brown. Right. I get those Eddie. Right. But I don't need Eddie to be a good guy. I need right. Eddie to be that dude who hates Peter 97% of the time because he fucked oh. him over every which way. Right. Marvin, with my number five. My number five is not necessarily like, I mean, he is usually associated with Peter, but not as much as uh, obviously like Daredevil, so Kingpin's win number five. Mm. Um, I think... So, when you think about this, and I was thinking about this because um, of the recent Suicide Squad uh, video game trailer that dropped, and I was watching it, thinking that it's weird that they always like find, especially with the Suicide Squad, so I'm going to use that as a more specific uh, example, but they use this team of mostly just humans and they usually put them against like a huge metahuman threat, and then we're just supposed to believe that their guns outweigh like the magic of whatever that other person's doing. 
But the thing with Spider-Man, and I think that's what makes this list hard, and especially with the, when we talked about Batman last week, is that none of them seem like they're super overpowering for Spider-Man, and you're not like, there's no way Spider-Man would beat that person. Uh, or even vice versa. Like, if they win, it's always like, yeah, like it's almost like a, a, a more of a flip of a coin of what you're going to see. So I look King, Kingpin for that reason. He, like, looks like he doesn't really have any... Um, like they don't really exclaim his power besides saying like he's really strong is like because he, he is uh, built like a shit. Br- what do you call it, Alex? A shipwreck house. <laughs> shipwreck house. <laughs> and he sometimes they say it's like enhanced, but really he doesn't have like an origin to getting powers or anything like that. He doesn't have any kind of mechanisms. Uh, really, the dude just uh, worked out a lot. So um, he's got two percent body fat. That dude is a motherfucking train. That's what I mean. It's just like. I like when we get villains that are just like, no motherfucker, I'm just the best human I could be, and that's my power. Oops. So, and it's weird to think because you got Kingpin who also is very smart, and so uh, in any story, I would say he's a top villain. In Spider Man, I'm going to give him number five. Corey, what's your four? Cuatro. Well, it's so crazy that someone had just mentioned Kingpin because Kingpin's my number four. Uh, he's just, you know, he's there for every conflict, you know, any gang war, any, um, back in black is probably my favorite Kingpin storyline. When Peter goes to the prison, it's like right after Aunt May has been shot and Peter goes to the prison and just beats the living snot out of him. Cause I love it when Peter's angry and he's just like, I don't care where usually he's like responsible and cares. But when he has those moments where he doesn't, I freaking love it. And so, but just Kingpin, just he's just there. He's the, you know, he's he always reappears, whether it's the show, comics, what have you. He's just kind of an underlying presence. So I think he deserves a spot on this list. Do you think top five. Spider-Man would ever lose his shit so much that he would pull out a gun? No. Because <laughs> he doesn't kill. Uh, hey, to be fair, you don't have to use a gun to kill someone. He literally could just maim them. I told you about uh, breaking people's legs. Oh. Maybe Spider-Man nor they're going to make a TV show. Maybe he'll have a gun. Alex, I will say this. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about Last of Us later, but like last week or the week before, there was a headbutt on that show, and they actually went for the nose versus like a head-to-head contact. And yeah. I was like, Alex, that's like whenever that happens now, like that's I'm very tuned in when a headbutt happens be like let's see if this is legit or not um so- i appreciate you that you think of me when a headbutt happens <laughs> and whether or not it's done properly <laughs> yeah so uh that's probably what he would do instead of shooting with the gun he would break their nose so <laughs> just just shadow their fucking face yeah. <laughs> um alex what's your number four let me pull her up and look because i actually can't remember which order i put it in uh, Mysterio is number four, the man of mystics. Uh, honestly, a lot of what I went through with tonight for the show was when I watched the animated original from 1994, uh, the grim hunt comic books, or even spectacular Spider-Man, what characters do I love seeing and what episodes are the best? And the Mysterio ones are always phenomenal. Uh, excluding the uh, ama- what was that? Amazing Spider Mary Jane was it Amazing Mary Jane. Uh, that I, I don't need that Quentin Beck. I need the one who is there just to fuck with Spider Man to piss him off. Uh, so when Spider Man gets enough pissed offness in him, he breaks your face or at least your your helmet. Uh, all the the random stuff he's done, all the 
the scary like when I watched Far From Home, uh, when Spider Man spoilers gets hit by that train. Uh, I mean, my heart just jumped out of my chest. I can't believe what I had just seen. To know how much he could mess with Spider Man, and Spider Man didn't trust his tinkle. Um, what an amazing character! And I always thought this, even with the Batman stuff, is when you make a character that is so defined on one aspect of your hero. I mean, all you had to do is close your eyes, and he wouldn't have known what's true. But he's a man, and he's stupid. Do you remember for Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 2 when that second edition came out and they had that for number one because Mysterio is going to be the big bad and everything that they're kind of alluding to? Like, oh, I still remember that variant cover. Badass. Love Mysterio. Just that for just... Ultimate Spider-Man? Yeah. Volume, no. Volume 2. That's Miles, right? No, no. So this is Volume 2 of <laughs> Peter Parker still. I think that, isn't that when Sarah is started, like, Traded off on the book, I, and they had other people come in, like Dave LaFuente. So Dave, so it was Bagley up until like one oh seven. Right, then it right. was LaFuente, <coughs> and then it's Jelly. Yeah, LaFuente when he had Spider Man had that long ass hair for some reason. Right. Mm. Was Team Bagley. Uh, my number four is Zahab Goblin. Uh, oh, good call. I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, you know. Maybe we'll talk about Green Goblin a little bit more later, but um, with uh, Ned Leeds um, and even Ben or Phil Yurk, I can never remember which Yurk row is the Hobgoblin. Spoilers. Um, but I think, like, the Hobgoblin is the Green Goblin, like, on overdrive as a condition, whereas Ned is, like, fully wanting to kind of, like, dive into the madness and there, he doesn't need like a toxin to like get all crazy and juiced up. So, Hobgoblin, and man, he just looks. He took the Green Goblin persona as like, let's make it fucking bitchin' and orange, and my glider's way cooler. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey. Didn't Hobgoblin come first? Only in the animated TV show, but in the comics, no. Okay. <clears throat> uh, my number four is uh, Sandman. Um, I think, and I guess you could you could uh, argue that any of these top what's that, is somebody in a waterfall. Um, I think you could argue that any of these top five uh, would it would fall in the same criteria. But I think Sandman the most. I think it's best when you read a story of a villain who basically is the hero of his own story. Like his reason for doing the stuff that he's doing uh, is is rightful. Um, but the means that he's going about it may not be. Um, and I don't know, something about that character, I think you can tell good stories with what you, uh, what his backstory is. And so um, my number four is Sandman. He was, he was going to make my list. I couldn't decide who I liked more, and, and he didn't make it. But I've honestly, Spider-Man list could be 15 characters long who I like the most. Right. Alex, I couldn't remember when they did the uh, gauntlet. Was Sandman involved? I think he was on the sidelines. Yes, oh, he, he was. He, oh, was okay. one of the, he, he was one of the first ones, at, like the prelude before he got to. Oh Mysterio. yes, I just saw the cover flash in my face. It was Electro, and then Vulture, then Sandman. God, good times, greatest. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? Honestly, like twelve years later, honestly, since Marvin got me caught onto comic books, I still bring up Spider-Man, Grim Hunt slash the Gauntlet three times a year that was, was such fantastic. a fun time to be a fan 
Like you just get every villain for like a two-parter. Uh, and then that Rhino issue at 617. Oh, I love that. Still, still has the best cover when you can find. I think there's three or four different covers, depending on how far he's busted through. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Beautiful. Love it. Go, so Amazing good. Spider-Man issues. Uh, uh, Corey, I'm going to ask you if you know, but I don't expect you to know. 610. No, well, 60, so yeah, it starts like in the six, yeah, like where Alex is to like 634. Yeah. Oh, I think I literally thought you were doing a bit, Corey, or he was like 610. You're like, yeah, yeah, 610. You know. <laughs> <laughs> 609 or 610 has the cover of Deadpool, and Spider Man is wearing all Cable's gear. Yeah, and then the next one starts the gauntlet. Hmm. Well, uh, that is the start of the gauntlet. Speaking of which, I, I believe this guy is part of it too. Um, I think it's everybody except for like one person. Anyways, my number three. Wait, it's Corey's number three. Like you're number four. Yeah, you're number four, Marvin. It's Sandman. So this, right. yeah, it's Corey's now we're going three. to number three. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So this one, God, see, it got tough here because I was like, uh, where do I feel? And number three is going to be Doc Ock. What? Uh, wow, Just, that's low. Really? No, that's I. He, no spoilers. Doc Ock never even made my list. Oh, really? I well, hate Doc Ock. I Ock's just list. think back to the what? because obviously the show, the '90s show, but then the comics when he's like the master planner and Superior Spider-Man. Um, now the crazy thing is that always sits with me with Superior Spider-Man is uh, Dan Slott did okay with the Superior Spider-Man line, but Christopher Yost wrote the annual for superior spider-man right at the same time when the title had launched and it got me so excited and then dan slot i guess did what he could but not as great as what christopher yost did so i agreed i agree with that i agree with that even though i like that my number uh three just to skip ahead is also doc ock um uh mainly for that series actually i do really enjoy that series and Um, but Doc Ock just in general, I feel like is a villain of if you, it's going to be anybody who sees Spider-Man going against not only is he, I feel like a cool weapon set and a very unique way to like move. And it does, it, it leads to a lot of great art. I also mm-hmm. think his story is one of, of basically scientists turned mad by his own, mach- by, you know, by his own invention. Um, and how much is too much, like too much of, of trying to achieve something like what is it worth basically mm-hmm. with great power comes great responsibility so um i like reading doc ock stories i feel like he's one of the people and i will agree he got oversaturated around that time of superior like right before it and and um obviously the lead up to it and then they kind of kept that character when they didn't they do like a mini like last yeah year? they did well they did superior they did do a superior spider-man comic for like i don't know 12 to 15 issues okay um but uh i think when you narrow down the what makes this character work i think doc ock for me at least i have a three felt right so yeah <clears throat> uh, alex i'm interested what's your three then shocker I I am all about the the simplest simplicity of this character. He literally wears a tacky yellow outfit. His only power set he even has is this concussive gauntlet 
that half the time he can't aim that well anyway. He's just lucky Spider-Man stands still half the time. Um, like the biggest thing for me when I came to this was the fact that all he is is a mercenary getting paid to do a job. And the more times he lost, the more times he got pissed at Spider-Man for winning. Uh, and I'm thinking of Spectacular Spider-Man specifically. But the first Marvel Legend I ever got was Shocker. I actually have two of them. Uh, when I played the 2002 Spider-Man game, when Spider-Man introduces himself to Shocker, he calls the Shocker the Cushion. Oh, um, God, I thought you were, I knew you were going to bring that up. Love it. And that was, the, that, like, that was my biggest introduction to that character. And I love that he hasn't changed that much in the years, even in the new Spider-Man 28 or 2018 game. Um, he's still a loser, just trying to get a buck. Dude, that train level in 2002 when you're trying to move up on Dude. him. Oh, God, love it. What, what a perfect level, though, for the fact that he can't aim with the Tinker's Darn, but he sure can blow concussive blast down those tunnels to nail you. Right. So. Wow. Garrett? Shocker, huh? You're shocked, I know. <laughs> I am a little bit because he's not a character that would even touch my top five. I don't feel like so. I don't, and I don't think I've ever heard. Maybe I have, and I just tuned it out. Like I've never heard you talk about Shocker that much. You, you know? never heard Alex talk about Shocker. You know what? If if that's your reaction, Corey, then I've I've just tuned him out for how many years about Shocker? <laughs> I, I'm I'm with Marvin. I haven't really heard Alex talk about Shocker before. To be totally honest, must be the Spider-Man talk between you two. Yeah. Uh, so, to be fair, like when we were at uh, the twins' house that one time, that's all Corey and I did was talk Spider-Man. Hey, we we wrote we wrote. I don't remember how it goes, but we wrote Spider-Man for how it should have went. All right. Well, we, we made a Spider-Man trilogy. We fixed it. Say, we fixed Gary it. Corey and I came up with the trilogy and how it's supposed to be written out. So yeah, we fixed it. <laughs> uh, Garrett, what was your three? Uh, my number three is Craven the Hunter. Um, he might be higher on somebody else's list. I don't know. Yeah, um, who's listening? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can I can give a chef's kiss for number three. But but the craven that I'm picking is that uh, wants to save the planet and not hunt. So that's the one I'm choosing. <laughs> um, no, actual craven the hunter. Um, I think after reading um, the last hunt, <laughs> and I'm currently reading the lost hunt uh, that's coming out right now, which ties into that. You know, realizing that? how it's not bad, but it's it's very similar to the last hunt and how mm-hmm. bullshit both those storylines are, makes me think of all the good stuff that Craven does, like when like not in this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what was Craven in? It was a Captain America was last I think I saw him. Um, that Mark Wade run with Samney. Yeah, that Mark Wade run with Samney and doing Cap, uh, which was phenomenal. Um, and he is really a great villain. I mean, he is a motivated villain. He does he. Whole, like takes out all the stops and he goes for his objective um, and he'll do whatever he can. And he truly is like, he's like Batman, like training wise. Cause he's just human. He doesn't have anything special about him, but he's just so skilled and talented that he can knock out any threat. And sometimes it's laughable how they get Spider-Man to beat Craven. Cause I feel like it wouldn't actually happen that way. Like but usually Craven it's, takes, it's, it's takes the drug juice and he becomes super strong. That's like true. He's, okay, he's he does the, do the juice. Yeah. But still, even with a little juice in his system, there's no way Spidey should be able to just like do some of these MacGuffins to like thwart him. Make yeah. me want to play the 2002 Spider-Man game. Like, right I know, now. that is a really <laughs> fun game. 
Was that based on the uh, the movie? Movie, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, but they added it, so much extra content into if it. If you though. if you beat it on hard or you put it in a secret code, you can be the Green Goblin, and you can be yeah. Alex Ross Spider Man. Yes, yes. Oh, Fuck, I, I do want to play that game now too. It's so fun. My obviously my three we talked about a second ago. His name is Corey. So Corey, what's your number two? All right, now we're really, really getting to it. Now I it, chose. Hold on, before you start, Corey, I do have a prediction um, for not your two, but just the basic flavor of what we'll get between our two yeah. and ones. Everybody in this. Hey, there's, there's a clear bias. There's going to be so one. Yeah. There's going to be. There's going to be a hot take coming soon. I'm, so that's all I'm going to predict. From no, me? No, no, no. Just in general, in this round, there's a hot take coming. Oh, I know. But yeah, somebody me, puts fucking Rhino up there. You're out. <laughs> Alex, just Alex, down. I'm sorry if I just freaking attacked you, man, but you did not put Rhino on that list. Corey, what's uh, your number two? <laughs> My number two is Harry Osborn, the Green Goblin. Ooh. See, I thought that someone might do that, and that is astute. Because well, here's a couple examples. The show, amazing. When he, When Harry becomes the Green Goblin after Norman, does such an amazing job. In the comics, he like literally tortures Peter Parker. Like he just follows him everywhere he goes. You know, he's just on his glider hanging around. He's like, what's up, Peter? When Peter's just walking on the street, he's like, the fuck, man? You know, so he just was like good at torturing the Peter Parker side and the Spider-Man side. He just was like, I, you know, not obviously amazing Spider-Man too, but I just, yeah, no, he's great. Alex, what's your number two? Motherfucking Rhino. Oh my god, I was so <laughs> kidding, but oh, uh, wow. Alex. I give all credit to Alex because of 617 of Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, well, that, that, was, that, that was so... the first thing that my, came to mind. My number two is Rhino, too. Oh No, it's not. Is it really? You 100%. Guys? Wow. It's Rhino, yeah. Wow. I love the Rhino as a character, and I think of, and this is back to the Spider-Man 2 game in 2004. When you get called to go fight Rhino, and the the newscaster says it's a dude dressed in a Rhino-ish looking armor, and he shows up, and Spider-Man goes, "Let me guess, you're strong but dumb." Uh, that's all I needed from this character, and I the thing is that Alexi is smart, and that's it's like Kevin Bain, except for he can't take his outfit off, and he hasn't gone insane. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Spider-Man's just in the way. I think all the fucking time. I would say that is one character who doesn't reflect as well in the that uh, cartoon show than he does the comics. Um, they never or really, the movie. They never really try to show the humans. Oh, I mean that movie. Let's <laughs> not even talk about that. <laughs> but I think they never try to show the human side of that character. And so, like when they do explore that, it's it's as rich as Kingpin, basically. If if you want to go down that road too, like. Yeah. Um, the way that Brubaker wrote Kingpin, like the way that some like might have been Joe Kelly that wrote that uh, Rhino one, maybe not. Um, I know that. What's uh, in the six nineteen is the other one I was thinking of. Are you talking about the Kingpin one with the family business? No, no, Rhino. I so in six, so six seventeen, Rhino shows up, and I think it's six nineteen. He Alexi goes up against the guy that's being Rhino. And he dresses right. in his, I mean, he's in that ridiculously upper armed outfit and he yeah. dresses in his regular rhino suit and beats the living shit out of him because oh, the other rhino threatened his family. 617 so is it? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to look up and see who the writer is because I need to give credit. 
one of my favorite stories of all time. I mean, that goes back to the gauntlet, how fantastically well-written two issues of the Rhino, and they weren't even consecutive. It was 617, and I think it's 619 or 620. The character is so well flushed out, you have you care about what he's doing. Um, you're right. The cartoons generally get him kind of being a dumb dumb. Six nineteen uh, is a mysterious issue. I sure saw just back to. I thought it was just a one off for only Rhino. No, because there's the one where he's busting through the wall, and then there's one where it's his Rhino face against the other guy's Rhino face. Yeah, but I still think that all happens in six seventeen. No, no. Because I see, I just, I'm just looking now because I couldn't remember either. It looks like 18 and 19 he, are. He serial. shows back up at 6:25, and they conclude that story. That's part okay. Of, that's what Alex is thinking. There's a bigger gap between them. Uh, but 6:17 and 6:25, those are the two issues I'm talking oh, okay. about. Okay, I see. There like, we go. Uh, Rhino, I feel like is that when I talk about that character, like I did for Kingpin, like, and as you stated, Alex, like, it's very humanizing. He's not what he looks like. And the appearances are very different than how he kind of decides to do his villain uh, work, but also like it might be justified in some weird way. Like they feel like they're the hero of their own story. Uh, and Rhino truly is, I feel like, up there, especially those depictions of him. Maybe not every depiction, obviously, Paul Giamatti uh, aside, but. Um, but where's the little spider? But I think when <laughs> when they get Rhino oh, right. The when they get Rhino right, those turn out to be one of my favorite <laughs> Spider Man stories, so. Do you want to find me, Spider-Man? <laughs> Corey, when they, if they ever ask for the Rhino to come back, I want you to voice him. <laughs> Perfect. I'll do the video game. Spider-Man, come here. <laughs> no, I will fight you. I will destroy you. Gary, what's your number two? Uh, my, no- my number two is Norman Osborn, Green Goblin. Um, yes, Harry is very maniacal, but with Norman, he's like, cunning and manipulate it like in calculating um where yes what really triggers um green goblin is the goblin serum but um it really just brings out what's always been inside him which is this very duplicity type like evil person who is you know he he has the worst parts of lex Luthor, but he's also a psychotic maniac that has no problem like murdering and doing whatever he can to get what he wants. So I always think that he's, he's the Joker to Spider-Man's Batman, like his complete opposite. Um, And I think that he is the crux for a lot of the misfortune that uh, Peter experiences in his entire career. So, and, you know, obviously uh, when he shows up, like even thinking no way home, he shows up and fucks up Tom Hall. Uh, life pretty hard and that wasn't even his Green Goblin so Green Goblin in any instance uh, Norman Osborn especially terrifying and when he Norman Osborn leads the uh, what is it the Thunderbolts Thunderbolts. yeah horrifying that that guy has that much power and I really hope that they could pull that off in the MCU someday but I feel like they'll fuck it up it'd be awesome if that's who Harrison Ford was going to be that build build it to him being um, Norman, Nor- yeah, make him Norman. He's got the cranky demeanor down, I guess. Oh, yeah, he could be Norman. formula. <laughs> yeah, so. get off my plane. Uh, <laughs> Corey, what's your number one? I'm surprised. First, I got to comment, Garrett. Number two, I think I think I know what your number one is, which I'm like, dude, you messed up. That's what, what are you that, talking this, about. Now, this is where I'm excited, <laughs> Garrett. Norman. 
Osborne Green Goblin. There is nobody else. I don't care. I'm hear some interesting takes here because I mean, God, we heard Rhino in number two, so already I'm like, <laughs> but Norman Osborne Green Goblin. It's his arch nemesis. It's like Garrett said, he is the Joker to Batman. Uh, so he is his arch nemesis, the number one, the top. And yeah, just, I could name a million storylines, you know, 49 and 50, Death of Gwen Stacy. <clears throat> the death there haven't of even been a million issues. So no fucking way can you name a million. Gosh. American Son, uh, you know, so many things are just like the 2002 movie. I'll never forget. Like there was this official storyline book for the 2002 Spider-Man movie. And yeah. it's just like the Christmas. And I know a lot of people give shit that Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin costume looked like a Power Ranger. And I'm like, that pisses me off because guess what? I wanted to see him more in the mask in No Way Home. And I'm sad that we didn't get all those scenes with him in the mask because that's so nostalgic and iconic to me. They basically shit on that mask in that movie. They yeah, do. They they did, and I'm like, oh, that's so unfortunate because I thought it was so badass and awesome. But, I mean, that's all the different medias, you know, the show, the video games, whatever. I'm just like, take my money when Norman Osborn's involved. If they did a Norman Osborn solo movie, if Sony did, I'd hate it, but I'd definitely go see it opening day no matter what. <laughs> we're yeah, doing, we're doing that for Craven, so I'm going to go see that Craven movie just to shit on it. Yeah, this is a Norman Osborn that he uh, doesn't own his own company. He's actually the plumber at a big uh, company. Yeah, it's like a Joker story where he's a rags to riches kind of story. Right, exactly. Yeah. Alex, what's your number one? Oh, come on. You guys know the answer to this? Craven the Hunter. <laughs> it's, not his, it's not his wife? No, 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 no. We don't know. We don't cheer for the wife. Christy? No, <laughs> cheer for the, the big bad <laughs> Or when you go to uh, the Ultimate Universe where he's kind of a showboating piece of shit. Or he's like a takes, male model hunter. Takes never cut to the face and he's out. Um, at most iterations of Craven the Hunter, I enjoy one way or the other, whether it is the bad actor or the spectacular Spider-Man where he wants to compete so hard with Spider-Man, he turns himself into a lion or a lion-esque mutant. Or you get the uh, 1994 where he decides to actually become a good guy after Spider-Man shows him mercy and helps heal him before he takes over from the fever of all the drugs he's on. This man has had very good storylines, obviously uh, Grim Hunt being one of them. And what was the, was Hunted the one that Spencer had written? Hunted? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think so. Where, they, where he goes hunting everybody and or. Everyone pays to go hunt animal-esque people. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't oh, yeah. Called, Where his 83rd forgetful son becomes the new Craven. Yeah. Wow, I haven't um, heard that name in forever. Nick Spencer. What happened to Nick I don't, Spencer? I don't, is he writing anymore? I don't know. I haven't seen him. If I if he is, it's nothing that's been on our radar, at least, since we started the show. It's not the last uh, hunt, of course, is great. Uh, well, sad, cool. but great. No, no. No, no like I, last I, I, won't, I won't agree with that. No, last Hunt is garbage. Yep. I think by the time we had read it, I was too far into other books of Spider-Man that it probably was amazing. For oh, wait, that's what we read, right? Last Hunt? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Well, he is, the, he is the best part of that, though. 
I feel like. Agreed. When, when you're naked, just waiting to go hunt your prey, of course. He, I think he is the... And we also, there's Peter and his underwear in that uh, issue. And also we get, right we get my what be, and if I were remember this before the podcast, I would keep it at number one, uh, Vermin. Obviously, but. Fuck. Cool. <laughs> uh, Garrett, what's your number one? You didn't do yours. You're next. You're next. I'm next. Oh. oh, you've just been jumping around because you were matching picks. Yeah. Um, my number one is Dr. Octopus. Wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's just a matter of perspective, motherfucker. Um, I would say Doc Ock for me is my number one because he was truly like the master villain when I started reading Spider-Man comics. So I had read the storyline leading up to um, Otto taking over Peter's uh, body, essentially, and becoming the superior Spider-Man. Um, and I've been reading from issue 700 on and i have i've been collecting ever since so doc ock really has like an emotional connection to me with spider-man because i just feel like he is the only villain that literally had to be in the shoes of peter parker spider-man and truly understand why he does what he does um and i think that you know, they did try to make him like an anti-hero for the longest time and he ended up becoming a hero, but he sunk back to his old ways. Um, so I truly think that he is one of his, uh, Peter's greatest villains because he did become the superior Spider-Man. He did um, figure out how to optimize Spider-Man. Pissed off because there's been so many storylines since then that have tried to do the same thing over and over again. Like, make Spider-Man more streamlined and optimized, which I'm like, that already happened. Um, um, uh, Wednesday comic fans, there's something that you need to know that there is a implicit bias here uh, with Garrett and Dr. Octopus, because as I do recall, when Superior Spider-Man was coming out, it was issue number 32, the second to last issue of Superior Spider-Man. Get over it. And who should show up at the end of Superior Spider-Man number 32 but Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, what did my brother proceed to do? He spilled water all uh, you over know. the page of I Norman Osborn, the Green there. Goblin. Who Conspiracy. Fucking, who puts water on the desk that they read comics on? Hey, That's you read a comic, know. you get you, it's a thirst trap, you get a little thirsty. Yeah, okay? well, get a fucking coaster and then your comics don't get ruined, okay? How would you think about that? I respect all those words Garrett just said to you, Corey. You would think, Garrett, by the way that he went into that story, that, like, you took that comic and assaulted him with it. Like, he was right. leading up like it was so serious that he said... He saw Green Goblin there, he's like, I like Octopus more. I, I set it on a table. A flat surface, the most protective surface for books, comics, and magazines. And you had water running all over that bed. You knocked the water glass over onto the green <laughs> goblin. I remember it differently, okay? Maybe maybe Doc Ock inserted one of his tentacles up your ass and controlled your body for a bit because you forgot. <laughs> Conspiracy. My number one. Tick, tickled that little peanut that's your brain and said, hey, you forgot that shit. My number one, and the reason why I didn't jump in uh, as I have been in the beginning ones, because uh, I'm going to say Norman Osborn, but like just Norman Osborn. And I think Corey actually, in a way, made my case. Um, and I think he agrees. 
when you were talking about Iron Patriot, him be leading the Thunderbolts, right. um, him leading the Secret of, uh, no, not Secret, Dark Avengers, like all these other aspects. I think he's the only Spider-Man villain to ascend to. He always has these things where everybody's after him, not just street level like Kingpin, but like every single, like he's the main villain for an event. And I think like with that kind of status, if you could be Spider-Man's number one enemy and also everybody else's, uh, I don't see how you're not number one. So right. for all the reasons that Corey said, like I had all that, basically we're going to say all that shit, like uh, American son. So fucking good. Yeah. So good. Um, then, then that he, he made uh Harry try to have a kid with that, that demon lady. Yeah. God. I just wanted some grandkids. How do you do that to your son? What? Well, go ahead. Honorable mention. Oh, man. <laughs> She's a villain. <laughs> hey, you can't live the bachelor life, all right? If his aunt's always trying to make him wheat cakes and stuff him up, all right? <laughs> he can't pro- He can't. He can't uh, be, uh, what do you call it? Down to clown, <laughs> I guess would be the Oh, <laughs> uh, May, get out of the room. Yeah. Can't be shooting rope in there. <laughs> I finally uh, <laughs> I finally got some time with MJ and you're fucking baking his cookies. <laughs> Peter, why is your sock on the ceiling? <laughs> why is there webs everywhere? Oh, May, those aren't webs. <laughs> Jeez. I wonder uh, if she has a heart attack and dies. There you go. Top five Spider-Man villains. I think that's a good list. I think we all have. Fun. We all had uh, good reasons. I think it got obviously everything. We got everything with this list. Everybody got. We got drama. We got. We had some contention. Hot takes. There's some big hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big. A grace padded suit with the horn takes. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Corey had a father and son duo that's the same character. No, it's no. two different. Dude, there's like four different hobgoblins. There's three different venoms. You can do it. <laughs> uh, I was going to put Ileana Kravenoff on my list as Craven's daughter, and I thought, no, no. We don't need her on this list. She's not that good. Uh-huh. Colluder. Colluder. Well, what about... um? Once again, his wife isn't. Does he have a wife, Sasha Kravinov? Is that her name? I thought she was only animated series. Well, so in the animated series, he has the um, the doctor. God, what is her name? Or do you remember her name is from the '94 show? No, can't say that I do. But I know what you're talking about. Where she they she's always wearing a lab coat. Yeah, Callisto lab coat. Yeah, Sasha Kravinov. He she was married to uh I guess he did marry her. And Anna Kravinov is uh her her daughter. Her and Craven. Let's just hope you know how they're doing X Men ninety seven that they do Spider Man ninety seven, just do it, bring it back. I heard oh I did see news on that today that it's expected to go four seasons. X Men X Men one yeah. No. Bring back the Spider-Man one. Not, the guy's young enough for his voice. Not Spider-Man 97. Let's go that 80s show when he's teaming up with Iceman. And... Oh, Spider-Man is Amazing Friends. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. <laughs> Who else does he team up with? Firestar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. 
God, that, I actually, because um, I don't think, like, the original cartoons, I don't think Disney Plus has those, but they have those ones. And so I was watching those, and uh, it's, if you like that show, that's a hot take. So I'll just say that. Which one? Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I mean, it can entertain you. I'm not saying it's the best, but no, it is entertaining time. to like laugh at like, like that. Basically, they're at like a school party. <laughs> I can tell you this guy. They're at a, a school Halloween party, and some guys are dressed up as Green Goblin, and Peter's like, "Oh!" and he's like ready to like fight them, and he's like, "Oh wait, no, they're hanging." Like they're obviously, it's, he sees that they're fake, right? And then later, they're like leaving, and the Green Goblin like picks up this girl. And flies away with her, and Peter's just—they're just like, "Wow, that's a great costume." I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> flying in the air. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it's so like it's entertaining in that way. Like it, it's like so. I don't know. It, I don't know. It's like Scooby Doo, basically. That's what it is with Spider Man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Green Goblin's in that first episode, and once again, even then, I feel like Norman's a good villain, even when he's taken not as seriously. Because even need, sometimes you need just a slock, schlocky guy and his fucking weapons, you know, the the fucking pumpkin. God, right. All right, Corey. Sounds like uh, you're at the end of your rope here and you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. So do you, uh, do your sign off. We appreciate your time and your expertise on Spider Man. Uh, as you stated, there were some hot takes, uh, but I think you had some hot takes too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we. Uh... We uh, hip, we rhinocerosed through. So, uh, <laughs> Rhinos, they're, they're not verbs, dude. <laughs> Rhinocerosed over stem. Well, shockingly enough, there you oh, go. Oh, wow. This nice. is hashtag guest host one signing off. Norman Osborne's number one. Nobody else matters. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> there you go. Corey oh. joined us for our feature today. So, let's get into these uh, comic books that are. Uh, Hitting the market here, and uh, actually, uh, let me—I forgot to pull those up here. So, um, let's talk about this book club book. Corey uh, Garrett, we have a book club. Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents Joe the Barbarian, number three, written by Grant Morrison with art by Sean Murphy. What do you guys think? I'll Good. Say, see, look at here's the thing, and I knew this was going to happen, Alex. The last issue you didn't care for? I was going to say, I don't care for this one. Really? I don't think it's bad. Now, like, I don't think it's bad. I just feel like it's probably my least favorite out of what's came out so far. Um, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, that Smoot kid, I was dying the entire time. Like, how much of a putz he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and his dad's like a little dwarf pirate that's just like, oh, fucking Smith, And you man. know what I think that, I think just right there is my issue is that I don't think I like pirate talk. Like, I think it's been mm. ruined for me. And so, like, having to read it really did. And I know it sounds like you're like, Marvin, get over it, read the fucking book. It literally annoyed me to read that, <laughs> the pirate talk. So I think that might be it. It's the pirate That's talk. fair. I think so. Tonight, I I was reading books with my daughter, and when she when we, she and I were picking at each other halfway through, I said, "Hey, will you read a comic book with Daddy?" So I actually read the book, and I read the pirate with a pirate voice. And so, honestly, I don't. I think if I had read this without her, I probably would be more on your side, Marvin. But having I read it with her, and I read it out loud, and I read it with voices, 
it did kind of elevate the story because then when she left and I read the last little bit and Joe passes out from obviously no sugar, um, the book wasn't the same when she wasn't with me anymore because I read the smooth things and they were funny. Um, I didn't laugh out loud because that's just not who I am. I don't think books are that hilarious to make me laugh out loud, but I did enjoy the issue for the fact that she and I shared that moment together. Um, yeah, if Dude, I had read the end, the end of this issue though was super sad. Like, holy cow, it's like it's terrifying. Like that happens to people in real life. So, like the fact that he's like having an episode, but also like dying, basically. Like, I bet for a diabetic, like that's really close to home. Because and so that's pretty scary. I mm-hmm. mean, and like how much more often that he is like in his dream world than he is in like reality like made it even scarier for me. So like, yeah, beats a comedy. And then the last third of the comic super, I I was pretty terrified. I was like, I get this as fiction, but I'm like, in that instance, like there's water running everywhere. He's passed out on the floor. Like, and there's a mouse, like he has a mouse that is with him. You know, like like, what's going to happen. The way his mind is also using that for his imagination. He's like, where did that waterfall come from? And then you see that and you're like, oh, that's where the West way he also didn't saw a waterfall because the, the water started going down the stairs. Um, I think I like that. I like that he's hallucinating enough, but he tells him going, I need to get to the kitchen because I need yeah. to eat something. And Jacques is going, no, you're fine. There's what are you talking about? This isn't a hallucination. And then we keep jumping back to the fact that he is hallucinating and he's so close to getting down the stairs. I mean, dangerously close to just falling down the stairs. Um, yeah. Man just wants a soda pop. So, uh, I think in terms of also art, though, I think this issue, until I don't know if it was midway so much, but until, um, God, when was it? There, I feel like the beginning portion, it might even not halfway, maybe even just twenty five percent, or maybe even twenty percent. I feel like it was very basic storytelling, and I was almost going to be like, I don't know, this issue seemed very just okay. But then I think it, it the rest of the issue past that point uh, uh, was like okay this is the Sean Murphy I'm used to seeing and the storytelling is uh, better in this half and so um, it was kind of a mixed bag for me but I feel like it recovered at the end there so I am still on um, as somebody who's read this before I don't remember what happens for us this story like this is the last thing I remember with the story so it's now going to be fun for me to be like, re- remember, or at least experience of that without knowing it. Like all the stuff that's happened so far, I like, I knew was going to happen. And, uh, now I get to experience it, uh, brand new because my brain won't remember the last half of the story. So, <laughs> yeah, it's all brand new territory. And as of so far, I've been, I've been enjoying it. I mean, still got that Grant Morrison flair where it's a little confusing at parts, but you just kind of, stay on the ride and it gets better if you just like it's kind of like remember when we were reading paper girls and like everyone was like if you if you try to pay attention to continuity this is a miserable experience if you just let that go it's the best book ever so it's kind of what what you have to do for this one which by the way i saw the compendium of paper girls at barnes and noble and it looks sweet i still have moments where i think about getting the I don't know what collection it is, but they had the three saga collections, first, second, and third, where it's like 18 issues per book, and I've got the first one. I still think I need to get number two and number three, just so I have them all. 
Oh, you don't want the compendium that has... No, because I, I already have book one of the first thing. So it's like, why not just finish it out? And That's then fair. I have the issues to go with it, so... That's fair, and then it's not as hard to read because it's yeah. big binding. I mean, I could kill someone with that book, so I guess that's one thing. That's true. <laughs> All night and every day, one shot number one from Aftershock, Ray Fox, and uh, Andrea Fritella. Fritella. Um, it's time to party. While well, celebrating is the last thing grief-stricken introvert might... Uh, Michaela wants to do Jesus. I can. I was like, "How do you say this name?" Yeah. And it was just hilarious because I do know. I formally know Michaela. So wants to do. Okay, hold on a second. Let me start over. It's time to party while celebrating. It's the last thing grief-stricken introvert Michaela wants to do. Her friends drag her out for the night and end up trapping her in a hellish curse, a party that never ends with no way to escape, not even by dying. Now she must navigate the labyrinth of the legendary banquet, hideous, all on her own to learn its terrible secrets before it's consumed forever. Uh, it's a 48-page one-shot, um, and uh, looks very interesting. Uh, so we'll check that out all night and every day. Phantom Road number one, uh, Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walta. Dom is a long-haul truck driver attempting to stay ahead of his tragic past when he stops one night to assess Birdie who's been in a massive car crash, they pull an artifact from the wreckage that throws their lives into fifth gear. Suddenly, a typical midnight run has become a frantic journey through a surreal world where Dom and Birdie find themselves in the quarry of... find themselves the quarry of strange and impossible monsters. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Uh, Actually, sounds different than I was expecting. I honestly thought it was going to be like a... 100 mile set of road that was washed over with spirits and supernatural stuff. I didn't read the the synopsis beforehand. So to hear this is like, oh, I built it up way different in my head. This sounds fine. I don't, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's Jeff Lemire and when Walta art, I don't see Walta as often as we used to. Uh, I know it's going to be good. Jeff obviously slowing down from what he used to do, putting out 50 books a year. Now he's only putting out maybe three or four. Um, but it'll be good to get back into that that realm of a original story from Jeff and to get new footing in the door. We've been stuck on Black Hammer, not stuck in Black Hammer, but Black Hammer stuff. Uh, we're reading the, uh, what is it, Young Little Monsters? Little Monsters is coming out. Good stuff, but I'm excited to get into a more, hopefully, I'm going to call it adultish book. Didn't these two work on a Black Hammer, like one of the spinoff mini series. Uh, they did the Frankenstein one, Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say this is in the first outing together, but I agree. Like, you, not even knowing the concept, if you see those people people in a book, you're like, you gotta get it. So, uh, and that's the one I saw today. I was like, you motherfucker. When you said you wanted to, pick I, it? I, well, I had to pick. I had to pick something that I didn't have to read prior. Cosmic, Stardew Valley is really taking up my time. Cosmic Ghost Red number one. Okay, partner. Um, Stephanie Phillips, Juan Cabal, <laughs> Vengeance Reawakened in the far-flung corner of Deep Space, Frank Castle has eked out a quiet existence, his days as cosmic ghostwriter finally behind him, but across a, the universe of vicious bounty hunters leaving a trail of bodies in its wake, and his name is Cosmic Ghostwriter. When Frank, a peaceful existence is shattered, he must suit up once again and face his most savage enemy yet himself. But there will be a start of a sprawling space avenger with shocking twists and turns on the saga 
of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Garrett? Uh, hell yeah, Cosmic Ghost Rider coming back. Um, I got to say, like this made me nostalgic because I remember when we reviewed um, – the Ghost Rider series, like on our cast, and like it was so much fun, like having this alternate universe, like new story. I mean, I guess it's not alternate universe; it's sometimes in the universe. But uh, this character is so complex because of how, like, basically, it's Frank Castle, but he's a Ghost Rider, and you know, he's he's pretty crazy right now. So um, I remember having so much fun reading this book, and I can't wait to see what's happening in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. I, um, that is another character, not Cosmic Ghost Rider, but just Ghost Rider, that play Midnight Suns. I'm like, I think I like this guy because Robbie's in that and Johnny. Johnny. So nice. Johnny's an old man. Nice. Right. Ooh. Johnny's an old man with a handlebar mustache living out in the West on a fucking uh, steel horse. He rides. Does he, does he have a horse for his uh, Ghost Rider? Nah, it's a, it's a motorcycle, so. That sucks. But he does have a side off shotgun. He fights supernatural forces in the in Nevada desert. So, okay, I like that. Uh, there's a comic coming out for this week. We can get those at RainbowComicsAndCards.com. That's RainbowComicsAndCards.com in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Lincoln, Nebraska, or anywhere, anytime. RainbowComicsAndCards.com. Alex, the weather since last week has been. All over the place. Let me know what's happening. So we're getting into what they call spring. It is a mystical time of year where Mother Nature can't decide what the shit she's doing. So she just snows and then rains and then is sunny and is hot and then is cold. It's like fall, but way worse. So I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what's going to happen because today I looked outside. It snowed for a moment. Then the sun came out. Then it snowed a little bit. Then it went away. So, you know what, yeah, everyone? Know. That's what I'm saying. I saw that shit happening. I'm like, what the fuck's happening here? I Put was, your seatbelts on. It's going to be a fucked up ride. I was scared, and I came into my house, locked all the doors, hid under a doorway in case. I didn't know what was going on because it's so much, like, is this the end of the world? It's snow you know, the only and the sunshine. Your balls aren't sticking to your thighs, mm. and they're also not <laughs> reinventing themselves inside. So uh, just enjoy them. They're just there. There we go. The weather, as Alex said, uh, Mother Nature has some hot takes over the spring. So uh, we're gonna. She's still deciding. You know, do I break out the dresses or I'm gonna keep this uh, cool gear on? So that's that's the danger of living in the state. I know Garrett's over there. He's probably living the high life right now. Who knows? Uh, we had 50 degrees today. Sunny. See, so. I told you this guy's living the fucking life. I have never. This is I. This is my first year in Wisconsin living here, and swear to God, you know I hear about all the snow that South Dakota gets, and all we get is rain. So you guys are near water, right? A big water. Yeah, right, water. right. Which that's probably a, we're near uh, a big lake. But mm, are you honestly? Yep. Like Lake Tahoe. Nope. Oh. Different lake. Don't want to say it keeping it keeping it clear um but yeah the usually a lake or a body of water like protects you from a lot of elements but lake yeah placid no um gators like it but yeah it's been crazy we've had some snow but it's been super wet so oh salt lake city Ooh, i can have two wives there 
San Bernardino. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I believe the only thing we have left is Last of Us. Yeah, we do. Yep. Uh, Last of Us episode seven, and there's eight this season. Nine. Nine. Okay, that makes sense. Ooh, I'd be like, if they try to do the last bit in one episode, I'd be like, fuck. It has to be a two-hour show for that to work, even. Yeah. I thought it was eight, so that this whole episode, I was like, how the fuck are they gonna? Are they gonna? gonna are they gonna? Because I thought that basically they're doing the whole first game of the first season, basically, and then but. It felt like they were going to leave like one part of the story off. And I was like, so you're just going to bring it, do one game in one season in one episode? Like, uh, you couldn't put one more on the tag? Anyways, I think this episode, fantastic. I actually did forget that we said I had to play that uh, DLC. And so when this one started. Jeez. So you've never. Oh my God, Marvin. Listen, when this you one failed. started. And they did the flashback. I was like, "Oh fuck!" That's when I realized. I was like, oh "I forgot. God, I forgot dude. this was the uh, left behind. Left behind. Yes. Yeah. Uh, part of this, like we had discussed. I thought it would be what we're getting next episode. Um, I told her I got that they were put in right here. So uh, I did see this. Well, what, what do you think? Well, how was your first time for the left behind story? So I was actually that was my <laughs> most. I was interested in being like, I think this is really well done. Like, I can almost see some parts that are probably pulled directly from that DLC um, because it kind of fits the way that Neil directs. And I think this episode he wrote. Um, yes. And so. No, he didn't direct it. No, he, no, wrote, he, wrote, he wrote the script wrote for it. Movie. Yeah, he wrote the script. So I'm just saying, like, there yeah. are a lot of moments where I was like, that's a really big, uh, you know, same kind of note we would see in the game. Um, but I, I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, I can't really think of like that DLC must just be a lot of exploring versus fighting. Um, there, yeah, I would say that's accurate. I mean, there is a lot you're, of you're in present time, and then you go to flashbacks as well. Oh, okay. So yeah, there. So I will say, based on this, they did. They didn't skip, I'd say, but they did like omit some parts that were in the present day. Um, but that, I mean, again, a lot of that was service for playing a video game. So that is where some of the action scenes are, but the gist of the story was perfect. I mean, everything with left behind, I don't think they missed anything crucial. And it was, I think the most perfect adaptation of that DLC. Like they did everything I needed them to do. I think I said it last week and I'll probably say it again next week. The thing that makes me the most paranoid watching this show is having played the games, having played this DLC, I expected more infected to happen. And and I think I take for granted how strong these infected truly are. And especially since these are both younger girls. I mean, that's what, two, not three weeks ago? Well, I suppose now probably almost a year ago since she got bit for how long the game has prolonged. Um, I forget how... Uh, these. This, I expect there to be way more fear, way more infected... The fact that there's only one and the stuff that had happened to him, um, scary as shit. I agree with yeah. that. Like, they do have less, I feel like, monsters, obviously, because the game, is, that's the kind of point in that game. Not really the point of the game, but making it a game. You have to add, obviously, some sort of uh, thing to do. But in the show, I think they did it well because, as you stated, Alex, they increased their strength. They really seem like one is a big deal. So, like, even in the first episode when that one... Uh, 
is infected is chasing them and he's like falling all over the place and like jumping over shit. Like even that one infected alone, I'm like, holy shit. Like how would you even deal with two? So I do like that a lot, especially because in the game, sometimes, you know, you face like you know four at once. And it's, if that happened here and then he capped them all, I'd be like, yeah, this, this is not realistic. <laughs> But of course, I'm still, I'm been... still hoping for a bloater takedown, to be totally honest. But well, I'm waiting we'll for see. a bloater to be taken down. I'm actually waiting for the one time where Joel has made the makeshift uh, scissor bomb. Because mm. yeah. that's the one thing that's missing. He doesn't have any shrapnel to start throwing at anybody. Right. But And I, I did see so the uh, pipe bombs that Riley had. I was like, that really seems like that's a lot of stuff. Like, I think you've if there's anything that this show does very well is that it gives nods to the game without explicitly saying like you would have to know what like the weapons look like in the game to be like, Hey, that looks exactly the same. Uh, and I think that's, what's cool about this. Like if the narrative can be a little bit different because you get that kind of shit and it's just the Easter eggs. I feel like obviously anybody involved in the show feels like they really love that game. And so I don't know. I just, I'm going to say it's uh, Alex, you stated this, um, I uh, you said I'm probably gonna say this for the rest of the season. I'm gonna say I'm gonna probably say this for the rest of the season. Uh, the best written show on TV. Uh, yep, and uh, and mostly the best directed show on TV. Like, but the writing is so fucking strong. Like, I just love to hear people talk in this show. Like, even if there's not a lot of action going on, them talking has never been boring. It's always entertaining. And I feel like in any conversation, uh, whether it be, you know, just a, or something between two people and they're having to talk about anything, right, at least needs to be interesting to the audience. Otherwise, why is it happening? And so there hasn't been one instance of this show where I was like, this is not necessary. Every single time, no matter what it is, even if they add a little bit to add character moments and it's just talking, it has been fantastic. So... Uh, one of the best um, shows on TV. This was the weakest I'm... episode for me. What? You said weakest? Yeah, this was the oh. one that I I liked, and there's only one part that really drew me out of it. It was the the, I think at first when Riley and Ellie are talking and they're on the roofs and they're jumping, and Ellie's trying to figure out why she joined the Fireflies, and she's trying to convince her, you know, just to come with her, and you know, it's my life, and I didn't, I couldn't live with the Fedro shit anymore. Uh, I did thought that that like two minutes drug on a little longer than it needed. Um, once they got to the mall, I was content. The way they finally seemed like they were friends, just busting on each other the whole time. And I get for them, it was it was both of them feeling out whether or not they liked each other in that same fashion. Um, once we got to the mall, I was happy. It was it was good. It was I think that well part done. is really well done too. Like the subtlety in the scenes. Like if you're paying attention and you. Or seeing how they intera- are interacting, they're obviously feeling each other out to see if, like, the other one is, likes the other person the same way. And there's a little moments like when they're on their carousel and Ellie, uh, Ellie is like just staring at her, and then kind of like looks away. Like if you weren't paying attention to Ellie in that moment, you missed that. And those are the kind of things I'm talking about. Like when it's the best written show on TV, like that is a cue. Like those are things written into the script that just add so much when you know to do less with certain moments and then do more with other moments. Um, this mo- this show ha- knows every single one of those moments, at least so far. And I don't see, like, once again, there's no way they dropped the ball in the last two episodes. Um, yeah, no way. And, I mean, like you said, there's so much passion. And, like, I hope every, I mean, 
you're listening to this podcast, listen to the Last of Us podcast because uh, Craig Marzen and uh, Neil Druckmann go go over with Troy Baker every episode, and like you can just tell how much passion there is for this project. Not saying that there's, it's like when we talk about a, a comic book uh, writer doing like filler. This has zero filler. They are all passionate about making this project come to life and just hearing like the joy of making this, it it makes it even better as, you know, like the subtleties that they add, um, the Easter eggs, uh, cinematography, like everything they write into the script. Like it's just a masterclass on how to make a TV show. And, you know, the fact that season two is already greenlit, is just so exciting because I'm like, they're going to be able to pull this off. They're going to be able to do everything that you would do in the game. And there's two episodes left. I can't believe we're already seven weeks in and it's just one of the best fucking shows of all time. And it has like really amplified my love for last of us more than I've already loved it. It's also impressive that that whole mall scene or the whole, yeah, the whole mall scene, like they built that mall. I don't know mm-hmm. if you watched like the after thing where they were showing it. I was just, I was just like, I didn't even think about that. I thought it made like they filled in a lot of CG, but no, they made that mall. And did you did you listen to the podcast episode this week? Not yet. I just watched the after thing. So the only thing I'll spoil is that second floor shot where she's looking out at the the mall. Yeah, that is computer generated, but everything else is built. Hmm. So that that one I figured was computer animated. There's a, a moment where something didn't seem to fit right. Um, but I know when they go from place to place to place, it's all built in. I do. There's one thing that I wish they would have done as a uh, creative choice is that in the game itself, when she talks about the game that she plays, I wish that they would have made that game. Well, they, they talk the, about that in the podcast. It's because so HBO is owned by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers owns the rights to Mortal Kombat. So, and initially in the game, like way back when, if Neil Druckmann like could have gotten the rights for Mortal Kombat 2, he was going to put that in the game. But since he couldn't, he put in the turning. So, or the, and so he always intended for it to be Mortal Kombat 2. And he's like, why fucking not? Because that's an actual real game that like has a system and everyone loves it. Did they, did they, they didn't fix that in the remake, did they? No, no, no. The remake still has uh, the turning or whatever. Now, that would have been a cool thing to have fixed. Oh, change it to... actually gotten what he wanted, yeah. I think it's just TV show rights, so... Versus video game rights. Because, like, Naughty... HBO doesn't own own Naughty Dog. So, it's just that they're producing the show. Did you, like, carry the... uh... What fatality is better uh, in that that segment, Melina or uh, Barack? What's his name? Baraka. Baraka. Uh, you got to give it to Melina. I mean, she literally eats that person, then spits out his bone. Yeah, she she I wish you could do that the chicken wing. You know what I mean? Just suck it in, <laughs> pop it out like that. Jesus. Sure, a lot of femurs in there, though. Oh yeah, they have, you know, it, it, all the bones look the same. I was gonna say she does throw out like for some reason all the bones grow to the same size, so it is kind of weird. But um, maybe she just spits out the femurs of everybody she's eating that day. That's true. That's true. I guess 
Yeah, Everything else you can eat and digest, but the femurs, they all got to go. There we go. Very excited for that show. Very excited for And I do love that other people who, like, aren't into the game, it's become one of these, like, pop culture phenomenons where everybody's, like, watching it. It's, like, the number one show, basically, right now. And it feels good for, as somebody who played that game and loves that game and champions uh, The Last of Us in general, uh, the three of us, I feel like... Now get other people seeing you, but like, yeah, like, see, like, this is fucking good. <laughs> like, that you know, like, because I feel like it, it's still like, if you think about comic books, I feel like more people have kind of become okay with the idea of comic books, or at least okay with other people doing it. Um, but I think games are still that thing where people like, there's people who are gamers, and they know the enjoyment they get from games, and there's people who aren't gamers, and they just don't understand it. I don't feel like there's really anybody in the middle. It's either you game or you don't game. That's right. So, um, so it's nice to see being like, yeah, the story is good. Like, not only I think that's the best aspect of that game, even though the mechanics are very tight. That story and any the DLC, uh, I would imagine, um, and it's definitely the the sequel. Like, the story of the Last of Us is probably the best aspect of it. So, I'm excited to see this first season wrap up basically the first game now the question is do they and and this like you said you're no filler because they've said like that's not what they're here for they're not here to make this last longer than answer they're here to tell a story so season two has to be game two so you basically have to recast ellie because she has to grow up right yeah so, or they could do i mean there's I mean, Bella There's technology too. But Bella Ramsey is 19 in real life, and that's how old Ellie would be. I think if you changed her look, you did her makeup maybe a little differently, you could make her look a little more aged. Or whatever yeah. or, or don't put as much you know, do whatever you have to do to make her look like she's her proper nineteen. Yeah, I guess you're but right. But also just... it took it took two to three years to film this. So I, they're not even in pre-production yet. So I, didn't, they, I did not realize she time. was. I did not realize she was that old. I thought she was like twelve. No, she's nineteen in the in real life. She's nineteen. All right, well they can make that work then. Especially because yeah, I feel like they got time to. My my thing, my hope down the line is that we get a partial Ellie arc, get into spoilers the Abby arc, so that we have we like her or we're gonna hate her no matter what. But we started understanding her side and not save it for the end of season two, where we then get the Abby run and then come back for season three to like mix and match. I bet they do two seasons at least for the part two. Like I bet they split it. Part two has way do. more story than part one, so I could see that happening. Um the question is, is that like they, he Neil has said already. Like the story could be finished, or he could do a third part. Like, but he feels like the second one ended in a way where they could just stop there. Um, the question is, is if they do it in two seasons, I doubt they're working on a game to make a third one. So then the, the third season, if they did do, I mean, excuse me, whatever the next iteration is, if they did decide to do that part, it would only be in this show. At least first. And so that would be interesting to be like, okay, Neil's attached. He writes a lot of these episodes. 
He's definitely in the writer's room. Like he's a big part of the show. So obviously it'll end the way that he expected it to end. Um, which might be interesting versus like how Game of Thrones ended with no involvement from the original creator. And they just had to make up what they thought was an ending. So, Yeah, who knows? I mean, I know Factions is going to come out probably in the next year or two. But you know, he also said if there's passion to make a third game... Don't yeah, but it, they wouldn't so. be able to do. I guess you said two to three years. So let's say there's six more years from now. Do they got a game out? Maybe. I guess six years. I mean, the first game came out 2013, and then what? Last of Us Part Two came out 2018, 2019. 2020. It's 2020. Okay, it was 2020. seven years. But shit, to pump out a multiplayer game and. Yeah, who knows? I would imagine by 2025, they would have decided that they're going to make part three. And if they were going to make part three, truly, I think you would end up following Abby and is it Liv? Liv? You'd follow them on their their life with the potential of running into Ellie. The only thing is that the Ellie story, for the most part, has to be done. I mean, if you didn't, if you weren't going to kill Abby, you're done chasing after unless they're going to team up for some random occasion hmm. i don't know but i agree that a lot of it would focus on abby but i feel like we'd get a little, little flavor of what's I'll going i'll say on, this really. and we're getting into spoilers for anybody who watches the show uh, i would tune out now um but if you've played the games i feel like so you either do two things you make the ending where ellie loses everything because she gave into her rage gave into anger and she chose not to forgive um similar to a kind of story we got this last season then chose to forgive so like basically dissolved into this revenge machine and loses everything not just um on the way there with some people that pass away but back home like uh she comes back to an empty home Right, so that could be the end of the story, and the story could be about how revenge might not be always the best dish, um, or part three is a redemption story, and she learns how to deal with that better, and that's what we get. So I don't know. This the thing is like, do you continue that, and you make it about Ellie redeeming herself, or do you leave it as seeing how, uh, as you stated, Alex? Um, the, the other two, Abby and, and uh, Liv, like, because the, they figure out at a point being like, it's not worth it to dissolve into this, like, and she chose, she chooses to forgive Valley, basically. So, ride him high, cowboy, you know, mm. get on that steel horse we ride. Ghost Rider to my left. Jeez. One one Ghost Rider. Uh when's it comics uh, dot com. Um Vanishing Point, I think that's what that's from. Uh when's it comics dot com six oh five two one four or excuse, six oh five six oh five two one five eighteen forty nine. Yes. Uh six oh five two one five eighteen forty nine or find us on social media and Twitter uh at Wednesday Comics at Garot twenty one eighty eight and the AP Kitten find us there you can also email us wednesdaycomics605 at gmail.com or wednesdaycomics.com anytime to subscribe to the show 
Make sure to visit our sponsors, RootsOfTheSwampThing.com, RootsOfTheSwampThing.com. That's RootsOfTheSwampThing.com. The uh, Green Hill came out last week. This guy's going to have his own movie, which actually, Sean, I mean, uh, James Gunn did make it sound like that Swamp Thing is like the thing they're leading up to. Who knows? I'm not going to read into too much, but it might be good. It might be the, one of the key movies. So you got to know about this, the Swampy. So go to roots of swampthing.com. And then Rainbow Comics and Cards.com. Rainbow Comics and Cards.com. Oh, there you go. Another day, another dollar. Did you guys read this Punisher War Journal? Yep. It's good. I, I'm on Brothers right now. Brother? Mm. Brother. Yeah, it was good. Listen here, brother. Is that what it's called? I think I had the whole call version. Is that true? Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. There's been several. Uh, but the, the uh, first one, Blitz, uh, was very enjoyable. So I'm excited to read more. Mm-hmm. Very enjoyable. The Punisher, I, you know, he's with the hand. I, I, I thought it wouldn't be that great. And I think you told us, Garrett, you're reading Punisher, right? Yeah, it's incredible. God, I gotta go back and read it. Especially after it's reading this one. It's so like, good. I was like, Garrett might have been right. I go back and read it. And, and it ties in with the uh, Daredevil story as well. So it's like bouncing between both books has been awesome. Oh, my God. This is what Spider-Man needs to do. Step the fuck up and pull out the Uzi. And pull out the Uzi. Look, look at our, our top villains. And Uzi would take care of any of those guys. You think Craven can stand one, Alex? Be be real here. Probably not. Doc, Doc on. No, no. The only one who probably could is uh, my number two, Rhino. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought I had something in my throat. <laughs> That's the weirdest sound I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I, you one. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't even know how you made that sound. Uh, there we go. Well, we'll just leave it at that. I, there's no way that we're gonna top that tornado. <laughs> uh, for Wednesday Comics, my name is Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey everyone, keep turning those pages.